Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast. In this episode, we talk about Computex 2015, and we revisit some of my predictions for the show, including a new GPU and motherboard refresh. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia. With me today, I have Darren McCain. Our loyal listeners have probably noticed that our podcasts have been a little irregular this time of year, and that's not unusual in the spring, but this year has been particularly chaotic. Dennis has been traveling, and I have been traveling, and in the grand scheme of things, as always, those things don't overlap very often. No, we never travel to the same place at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, and it's interesting because we tend to go the same places just out of sync, but this year is a little bit different because... I'll be traveling to Canada and Alaska, and Dennis is just returning from Taipei, Taiwan. And I can't say that my travels up north are too exciting because it's just a family vacation, but I know that your trip was very, very interesting for this audience. Well, I would like to think so. Computex is a, a yearly trek for me. I like to go to see the pretty much the largest tech trade show in the world nowadays it since cbit has kind of dwindled a little bit now the computech show is much bigger right now this is an annual occurrence for you Mm -hmm. well it has been i should say and i think you posted that you've gone to all but two of the last 13 is it yes i'm embarrassed to say that (laughs) my my first computech was 2003 and that was if you wanted to you know, correlate it with a specific time in history that was around the time of the SARS outbreak. Oh, yeah. In Taiwan. That was actually a very, very um, scary time for them because people were just getting sick and they didn't know exactly why. Dennis, I know that Computex trips are normal for you, but that's not actually that common anymore. And I want to talk a little bit more about that in a second. But this year, you were very prolific, if I should say so, in posting news and Little tidbits from your travels there. So it's been a very active year. It has. I tried to make an, a valiant effort of um, keeping the site up to date during the trade show. But of course, things don't always work out the way that I would like. But easier said than done, right? Yeah, I know. Well, you know, the the first day is kind of the hardest because you have get up early, you go to the trade show, you get in there and you start walking around taking pictures and stuff like that. That night is usually the first after party. And in this oh, case, yeah. there was three after parties back to back, and some of them happened at the same time. And they were all for companies that I really wanted to go and see and support. So I started at one and then stayed there a couple hours, go to another one, stay for a couple hours, and then go to the last one and do kind of a, a dinner thing there. And then you start all over the next day. Well, very busy. I know there's a definite benefit to going to those after parties especially because it gives you an opportunity to visit with folks when they don't have the pressure of the show floors. Yes, there's a, that, and there's also, it's a networking opportunity. Just oh, like yeah. at, uh, at CES, I mentioned that a lot of the after parties there, you get more accomplished at the after party than you do visiting a booth sometimes. And that's because you have like-minded people at this place. A, a lot of times it's a way to get in contact with other editors. A lot of the after parties is like, you see, hey, there's an American, and you go and sit down and talk and say, oh, here's a guy from Hardware Info. I saw him two years ago, and then we sit down and talk. Same thing at CES and Computex. You get to talk to the manufacturers, you get to walk in, and you can be as active or as, um, how you say? Passive? As passive, <laughs> yes, as, as you'd like. 
Well, with so many articles posted on the site, I know that you did still hold back some stuff to talk to us about. At least I hope you did. Uh, quite a few things, actually. There's, um, I met with, you know, and I'm going to get this number wrong, but there was about 10 vendors every day that I met with. And if you look at the, the Computex coverage on the site, there's maybe 15 articles, maybe 16 articles. And that, as from, you know, the stuff that I knew that I could write about, the companies I want to support, that sort of situation. That's where I made that distinction. There was um, quite a few companies that I met with that they had some interesting things to show, but I couldn't figure out how to write about it, or I didn't think that it would be relevant to, uh, to the audience. Well, the good news is it gives us an opportunity to talk about a few things that maybe overlap with the coverage on the site and maybe don't. And every year we do a bit of a debrief, so uh, let's get started. Okay. Now, I know... There was a lot of very exciting news also at the event, but most of the press has been about video cards this year. Well, for once, we have a new GPU during Computex. Oh, yeah. And we talked about this um, as kind of like a rumor leading up to Computex about what I was expecting. I was expecting um, refresh motherboards, and I was also expecting a new video card. I want to say for the past three years, I've been making that same prediction. (laughs) Sometimes it comes through, sometimes it doesn't. The highlight I want to say for Computex was the launch of the NVIDIA GTX 980 Ti. Woohoo, which is a very hot card from the early reviews that we've seen out there and tech specs from NVIDIA themselves. It looks like that card is outperforming even the Titan series. In some cases, yeah, it's a lot faster than Titan. It's cut from the same core. So we have the Titan X, which has, and I don't have the notes in front of me, so I'm going to get the number wrong, but it has quite a few CUDA cores on it. And normal NVIDIA fashion, they've basically cut off a couple of SMX processors, which are the CUDA core clusters. <laughs> Say that three times fast. Yeah. And then created a new GPU, which was the 980 Ti. They also removed a lot of the professional features that are inherent to the Titan series because it's a calculation card. So you have a lot of extra memory restrictions there. Since this is going to be a gaming card, you can remove all that, save some cost and some um, programming in the driver make it a bit cheaper, and in some cases, make it faster. So for the folks at home, I am holding in my hand a beautiful EVGA GeForce GTX 980 Ti, and this is the SC Plus Superclock Edition. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about this guy. Sure, we can talk about that real quick. Basically, this is a reference design card, but it's been overclocked from the factory via EVGA. We're going to make some noise here. Now let's get it out of the package. Yeah. So some of you may have seen a video card before, and this one looks like a video card. <laughs> it looks like a, a definite reference design. So we standard height. We got uh, an 8-pin and a 6-pin power connector. We got DisplayPort, a DVI. We also, I think, one HDMI on here. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Yeah, they're all covered, so we're going to pull those off. Okay, that's full-size DisplayPort. We got full-size DisplayPort. We should have like a mini display port. Okay, there's HDMI. I don't think this has a mini display. We talked a little bit about this offline, but the real trend lately has been to move towards cards with the G-Sync or the NVIDIA version, which is... Well, G-Sync is on the monitor, so... But to use that, you need to have a bi-directional sort of um, communication. Oh, that's right, of course, because you've got to communicate to get that frame width. And this is where they say the future of graphics processing is going so that the two devices can work 
optimally together. Mm-hmm. That way you're not wasting horses. And with that is the loss of HDMI. Yeah, well, HDMI was um, it was designed mostly for the home theater. Single connection devices. So you have your, your Blu-ray player connected to your amplifier, your amplifier connected to your television. That's the way the interaction happened. You have to pay a licensing fee for that. And over HDMI, you get audio and whatnot. In terms of the desktop for computing, you don't necessarily need that audio connection. Well, HDMI requires you to keep up with the standards too, which has been in pretty regular flux thanks to 3D and 4K and all those other standards that they're getting ready to push. But with moving towards DisplayPort, you can get that same bandwidth and whatnot somewhat more in a raw fashion. You know, I'm not going to rattle off tech specs (laughs) or anything like that, but DisplayPort seems to be the future, and it is something that's not supported on every monitor yet. Yes, and the same with the G-Sync or the V-Sync. You've got to look for hardware that has it, so that it's almost a forced obsolescence, which we talked about before. Yeah, you'll have to look that up in a previous podcast. I know you called this a reference card, but it certainly does not look like one. Right, so the reference card is the PCB. So that's going to be the VRM, uh, the way the memory set up. This is basically a a PCB from NVIDIA that has been given to EVGA, who then goes and puts their ACX 2.0 cooler on it, which is this fancy dual fan with some crazy blade design there, big old fatty heat pipes on there. Um, also comes with a memory heat spreader so that it separates the GPU heat from the memory and VRM heat. I want to say this is like the first time ever for like a a down market sort of video card, EVGA has included their backplate. Wow, now I know that you could always order those, and occasionally they would give them away with card purchases as a promo. But this one came directly with it. In fact, it's advertised on the box. Yeah, that's um, something that EVGA has been getting beat up over with companies like Gigabyte and Asus that sell their cards with a backplate. They don't they don't sell them separate, so they kind of have to include them. Well, at the risk of uh giving away everything from your review. Check the site back very soon on that. I know this wasn't the only 780 design that you saw. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about... You mean 980 Oh, gosh, I got 780 on the brain. I'm a generation behind. Yeah, so the very first day I met with Gigabyte, they showed me their 980 Ti version, which was the G1 Gaming. Came with a, a larger VRM, custom PCB, triple fan cooler, with um, some shroud, you know, design cues that but would. But this is still a double DIN design, right? Yes, it's still double. Okay. A double slot design, but they had some design cues on the Windforce cooler that would match the G1 gaming motherboards. Nice. Which we can talk about a little bit later. Later that day, I met with EVGA, who showed me two of their 980 Ti cards, not including this one that we have right here, but they had the classified. Nice. They also had the classified Kingpin Edition, which Ooh. is very, very pretty card. They uses the same ACX cooler, but then they copper dipped it, so the whole thing is wow. is uh, copper colored. It has the the typical shroud on it with a couple of um, windows on there, so you can see the heatsink really well. It's that ACX cooler, like on the classified, but um, underneath it, it has the uh, Kingpin tweaks for LN2 cooling. I know in the past we've been very, very pushy maybe even about how much we like the classified design and how hard it is to get the kingpin design. Is that something we can expect again in this generation? 
In the early generations of the Kingpin edition, they were very limited quantities. So the very, you know, the first ones that came out that were red and white and black, which were really cool, by the way, they sold out within an hour because they didn't really make that many of them. And people really wanted them because they thought they were going to be the premium card for all sorts of uses. Well, they can't be, but not in all. Yeah. And in this case, the Kingpin edition has a special bin chip that has a lower ASIC which works better when it's cold, so that way you can pump warm voltage into it and stuff like that. What's that? What's an ASIC? ASIC is the uh, the binning code. If you go and look in GPU-Z, you can test your GPU to find out how good it is. If it's in the 90s, it's a pretty good air-cooled, water-cooled chip. If it's in the 60s, it's supposedly a good LN2 chip. Wow, now that's a great tip because most of those cards put their numbers on the outside. Sometimes, yes. Sometimes. Yeah. Check your retail packaging for more. <laughs> So for the 980 Ti classified Kingpin edition, the, the numbers are going to be about the same. Uh, once they figured out how many these cars they can move, they've started to hone in their numbers. They'll be available at the same time, obviously. If you go to EVGA's site right now, you can see that both cards are available for sale. So chances are it's going to be the same for the 980 Ti. Wow. So look for those while you can, mm -hmm. especially if you're looking to have that hot new Kingpin edition. Yeah. Otherwise, go for the regular classified. It's an excellent card. If you're not going to be doing LN2, you know, you might as well just go that route. Well, certainly this EVGA card is no slouch either. So, you know, you can play favorites a little bit with your brand without losing performance because this generation, there's a, at least in the reference card design, a lot of parity. Mm -hmm. Let's see. So there was a lot more uh, 980 ties. MSI had their gaming edition on display. Nothing about the Lightning yet, which is the one I was really looking forward to seeing. Oh, we like Lightning. Yeah. The Galic or Galaxy, Galac, whatever their name is. They have a white PCB, Monster VRM. I posted a news story about this on Hardware Asylum a little while ago. They are taking pre-orders for this special LN2 edition, kind of like the, the 780 tie that I brought back from MOA that was designed only for liquid nitrogen. Oh yeah, the MOA edition. Yeah, well they have a version of that in the white PCB and the Gallic skin, if you will, designed specially for overclocking, LN2 overclocking by the way. Sells for $900 on pre-order only, and they're only making one batch well, yeah, so they can figure it out. It's like a Kickstarter. You can kickstart your own custom video card. Yeah, and I love white PCBs. I wish there were more of them. Yeah, the problem with white PCB is once you get an area of it hot, it turns yellow. Ah, uh, there is that. Well, at least they'd put white tracers on them, then I could throw a black light in there. Yeah, that'd uh, be pretty darn cool. Just takes you back, doesn't it? Yeah. In terms of other cards, I mean... um, Asus had their Strix edition shown, but you couldn't touch it. It was behind a glass case. And Asus is taking the approach with Computex where they, they have this fancy booth and they have a bunch of people there, but they're all, you know, like PMs and stuff that it's not really marketing people at all. And they didn't really have a lot of motherboards to display. They had the video cards and then everything was mobile. So it was hard to see what their new product line was going to be for the next year. Gigabyte, obviously, they only had one card. EVG had a bunch of cards, but we already talked about that. So in terms of 980 Ti, there was a huge launch, but I think it was too close to the show for any of the companies to finalize their custom designs because that's the whole draw for the 980 Ti. It's Titan that you can customize. 
Well, I expect you'll see quite a few of those, especially the superclocked and extreme overclock editions. Mm-hmm. So you correctly predicted a video card yep. launch of sorts. I did. How about the motherboard world? There was two significant items in the motherboard world. So at Gigabyte, for instance, they are pushing the X99 into like this workstation space. So they have a plan where you pick a motherboard for a certain workstation style, and they'll tell you which ones you need, like if you need a UD4 or a UD7 or whatever. The highlight of the booth, I should say, is the Skylake motherboards, which is the Z170 boards, 170 chipsets. Yeah, so that's going to be the hot new thing, assuming that you're looking at the bleeding edge. Look for that around fall time, September, October, I'm thinking. But this is basically a a... Refresh and a replacement for Haswell. Uh, Gigabyte had their G1 gaming board that is pretty much taking the gaming version of a motherboard to the extreme. They they have an onboard sound blaster. And we're not talking about like just the sound blaster software. They took the sound blaster chip, the sound blaster design, the sound blaster ICs, and all put that in the corner of the motherboard off to the side. Now, I think that's a bigger deal than people probably realize because sound blaster hasn't really licensed like this. Mm-mm. Wow, I can't even remember the last time they licensed like this. They they don't. That That's the thing. Their IP was that sound board. They would license out the software, and then you could put that on, like if you had a real media, a real tech chip or something like that, you could run the Sound Blaster software on top of that. But they never gave away the IP for the entire board design. And it's branded and everything? It's branded. It has the little chip on it, or the cover on it. It says Sound Blaster. It's all red. Well, this is sort of uh, following the footsteps of what the Killer Nick folks did. Mm-hmm. Licensing is where the money's at, apparently. Apparently. Uh, speaking of Killer Nick, they have uh, triple Killer Nick on one of the boards where you have... <laughs> triple, wow. Yeah, you have dual gigabit Ethernet plus the Wi-Fi. And it will supposedly auto-sense to determine if you can go over the Wi-Fi or if you need to go over the wired, which I don't know how that's working, but yeah, whatever. Well, there's always been a little bit of don't pull back the curtain on the killer Nick, but mm-hmm. the advantages of the tech are still there, although it took a while to get there. Well, and it's one of those things that you can't readily see either, especially in the benchmarks. The way that I test motherboards, you can see the benefits of the killer Nick and the off, by offloading the CPU cycles. Same with the audio. So it makes the game a little bit faster, a little bit smoother. But it's not so much that you have to go out and buy one to get the best gaming performance. Well, it does give them one more checkbox to get you to spend your hard-earned money on those real high-end motherboards. And, you know, it's nice that you're getting something extra for what you pay these days to be in especially those gamer editions. Yeah. In terms of the, the color, they are using black PCB, but they've changed to red and white. So they have these white covers and white accents on all the heat sinks, which I think is a little weird, but that's the way that they wanted to go with this particular line. So we'll see how that pans out for them. Well, maybe they heard my wish for white PCBs and thought they'd (laughs) meet me halfway. Well, we would hope. (laughs) Speaking of super flashy, crazy motherboards, MSI had a X99 that they called Godlike. Oh, and that is one of the few things that got lots of press. And I think the name had a lot to do with it. I mean, when you hear Godlike, of course you want to go, yeah, really? Show me. <laughs> <laughs> There's some truth to that. This motherboard, X99, 
had um, pretty much like the, I want to say the saber tooth style covering over top of it. So okay. it was all kind of shielded. They had some special metal pieces on the PCI Express slots supposedly to reinforce them, which, yeah, whatever. The thing that I really liked about it was the fact that they they have a bunch of LEDs, multicolored LEDs all around the motherboard that will hook into a mobile app so you can control it from your phone. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. That way you can pick any color you want. It's like, well, I want to make match this color red because it's the same color as my Mayhem's water or something like that. You can dial that in exactly and have that that same glow. How fun. Now, that is another trick we haven't seen in a while. Remember the uh, undercarriage lighting, for lack of a better term, that came through? Yeah, that was A-Bit that did, started that. Yeah. I really liked it. I thought it was kind of a, a neat little take on being able to add some flair to uh, your a little system. Nice ground effects or backlighting thing going on. I have to agree, but, you know, apparently it was more work than the return. Well, yeah, because that, well... A-Bit's not around anymore, but that's for not for the lack of trying, I should yeah, say. Yeah, that's true, too. So these are coming out in the fall for Skylake, and are there any specific Z-series features that would stand out? Not really. It's a new processor. It's basically the same socket. It does support DDR4. Now, this is the tick, right? Not the talk. No, we... this is a talk. Oh, this is the talk. Okay, yeah. so more of a perfection of the Haswell socket type. Yeah, I think it's the talk. When the socket changes, it's a talk. Ah. Yeah. And it's going for DDR4 instead of DDR3, so it's going to be more in line with X99 in terms of memory compatibility. However, I was talking with a couple of manufacturers. They are planning to do DDR3 and DDR4 versions of the board. Oh, that's a nice crossover potential, especially while the price of DDR4 is still pretty high. And believe me, I know, because I've been watching it like a hawk. In terms of uh, actual motherboards on display, though, there was only a couple of companies that had them, so I didn't get too many pictures. Obviously, the Godlike was uh, a big draw. We also had the G1 Gaming from Gigabyte. EVGA has a refresh of their X99, which will be supporting USB 3.1, which I really like. I do, too. I think it's about time. Yeah, they're starting with the micro ATX X99, but then hopefully we'll roll that into the classified and for the win editions. Excellent. Okay, so would you say that you were right in your prediction of motherboards, sort of? Yeah, I wouldn't. I would say that's accurate. Very good. Well, two for two then. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on hardwareasylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS. Follow us on Google or like us on Facebook. This has been an Engineering Production, copyright 2015. Thanks for listening. G-Stink is on the monitor, so...